Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Ignorant Conversations podcast, a conversation between two friends about the different types of books we read every week. Uh, I am Daoud, and this here's my friend Mobin. And today we're going to be talking about Trevor Noah's biography. So the book we're, we are going to be discussing this week is called Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, and he's written this himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason the book's called Born a Crime is because Trevor Noah was born during the apartheid in South Africa. And the apartheid was basically, it was basically a system of oppression for anyone who was essentially non-white. And it was a was a class, it wasn't a class-based system, it was basically a race-based system. And race was de- determined by the color of your skin. And specifically, the reason he's born a crime is because race mixing was not allowed. And uh, he was proof of the fact that, you know, Two people had gotten together and had a child when they were not supposed to, you know, and that's why he's he's considered born a crime. And this the entire story is basically prior to him becoming worldwide famous. It talks about the struggles of growing up as a person who's considered colored in mm. South Africa and the trials and the issues of a colored person or a black person, essentially anyone who's non-white and who's oppressed by that system, what that was like and how he grew up during that. And that's basically what he's covered in this entire book, and that's what we'll be discussing today. Hmm. Uh, basically, you know, now the obviously considering you are in a system that is that oppressive and that permeates, you know, every level of society, that is sort of like growing up in that, you're shaped a lot by what that is. And that's why his whole life, like all the stories that he has, they're reflective of, you know, his growing up in such an environment. And that's what he sort of covers. And he also explains the extent and the reality of the apartheid itself. And specifically, when, for example, when you talk about race mixing, I think he, he explains it very well because he says that when you, when you have a mixed person, him being a mixed so, so in South Africa, you know, the tiers were set up like everyone was classified as a specific type of person. So you have whites and then you have non-whites, but within the non-whites you had colored people, which were basically mm-hmm. mixed, uh, considered mixed, you know, black and white. Then there was black people. And then there was also Indians, which were classified as a separate category altogether. I'm not sure why that was the case, considering, you know, in terms of like, I don't know how one would be able to differentiate between um colored and indian so i guess they were also going by other features besides just color yeah but but that's basically how i was set up were indians um like indian indian or were they indians like yeah like the subcontinent americans are indians (laughs) no not not like that these subcontinent subcontinent indians so you know present day india pakistan and the like all right they must have immigrated there yeah so so that's basically the setup of the society there and you know the reason they were so against race mixing is because it sort of proves that one races can mix and second it proves that you know a lot of the time races do want to mix and basically you know it's sort of like a rebuke to the system the existence of a mixed person Mm -hmm. because it sort of says you know it's going entirely against that premise that races can't mix and should mix because that's proof that races do want to mix and they do end up mixing so that's why it's you know that's the logic behind why it's a crime because it's proof that the system is illogical and doesn't work and shouldn't be there in the first place and Mm. um you know trevor noah's a child born 
of that race mixing really and um, for example all of his stories so for example he talks about how the system of apartheid was set up and he it's an interesting thing which I, I wasn't aware of and basically you know the the government the white majority government they realized that you know because they're the you know the number of, there's a rising black majority and they need sort of like a new set of rules or tools to keep them in place so what they did was they set up a formal commission right and this commission went out and they studied institutionalized racism mm -hmm. right and clearly not to dismantle it they studied this they went to the u.s they went to like all around the colonized places and everywhere else and they studied what worked and what didn't and then they came back and they published a new set of rules that they could use so essentially like the apartheid would it wasn't just racist ideologies like it was like these guys went out they studied how can yeah, we they, ensure they did their homework they did their homework yeah it, it honestly they did and at a and that's like you know that's how the apartheid was like set up and maintained for such a long way um now mm. so trevor noah like i i don't know i wasn't aware of this as well so i realized obviously because you know the apartheid itself is such an oppressive regime that a lot of black or colored people that would sort of escape there escape from there wouldn't necessarily be people of great economic power right yeah um, and in fact like trevor himself was born in townships which is sort of like you could term them lums in a sort of a way because really the way like in the apartheid system everything's sort of uh, contextualized in that right so now you have to keep black people close enough to be able to come to the city center and serve white people in terms of like whatever odd jobs that they've been giving them usually blue collar jobs but at the same time you don't want to you don't want them to be next to you so they were sort of like there was segregation of where people lived as well so blacks lived in a certain community in, and away from whites and you'd have to show your id card when you're leaving your purpose of leaving that that sort of stuff so it was very enforced like it's sort mm. of like creating a labor pool and making them stay in a specific place and only letting them out when you need them for work and then in the evening you weren't allowed to be there in these white only areas like you were expected to be back home in your community i mm. mean community is a soft word to put it but basically like yeah. sanctioned townships uh, which were essentially like open-air jails to a certain extent right yeah glorified prison basically yeah and, and so that's basically what it is and that's where he grew up and spent most of his life right now uh, i think another element of the stories is his mother so his mother was a very strong influence on him and uh, she was the one who mostly raised him and that's why there's a lot of like interplay between the two and uh and that's the, it, the story also talks about elements of those right and it's basically um like trevor was a very very naughty child and uh his mother was always running after him like it's sort of like a gag that you see in the cartoons that you little trevor trevor is running down the streets and his mother's running after him to catch him and whoop him so that's the way he explains his childhood uh, oh, the way okay. set up is like that yeah so there's there's a you know there's obviously moments of hilarity and uh, they've made the best of what well, they I mean, had in there it was great for them in that sense he is a comedian after all <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true and it, it probably comes from that like quick-witted thinking during those times you know it, it, it's probably a skill that's been honed since then yeah I mean, I mean i i only know him as a comedian and john stewart's uh what's the word i i can't remember the guy who replaces a guy when the other guy leaves the daily show yeah but uh, a predecessor Okay. Yeah, he's the host of Daily Show on Comedy Central. Do you watch that, by the way? It's not like I I like his stand up, but the Daily Show is not particularly interesting for me. I don't find it. Yeah, very funny. I I used to watch the Daily Show a lot when uh, John Stewart was 
hosting it. Yeah. Not so much nowadays. And I mean, yeah, his, his stand-up's all right. I mean, I, I'm not uh, not the biggest fan of his comedy, but I don't hate yeah. it. Uh, it's okay. I think what his, uh, his stand-up comedy, the real treat there is his ability to switch accents. And uh, I, I really like that. Like if he does a white person voice, or if he does someone else's voice, it, it really sounds like that person and it adds into it. It adds into his arsenal of what he can use to make situations funny. Yeah, that, it, the way I see it, being able to do different accents in comedy, not that I'm a freaking comedian and I know these things, but I'm just a big comedian, <laughs> comedy watcher, I guess. It's like a great bonus, but it's not something for long-term success uh, in comedy. There was that one one comedian, the Indian guy, who was always doing like 10 million accents. I forget Peters? It. Yeah, that guy, Russell Peters. Well, his accents sound very good. Yeah, and... and you know, it just kind of became a thing. Like his comedy never went, uh, you know, just doing different accents. Yeah. That's fair. I think there's more to it, though, than just accents. Anyways, so uh, so there's a few interesting stories that I wanted to relate and some points that I wanted to share regarding his life. Now, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to go into too much detail of where he moved and where he lived, but, you know, sort of like if anyone wants to know about the upbringing of Trevor Noah, his life in South Africa, all the way up till his late teens. You know, this book's good. And I'd recommend reading it because it really contextualizes through a person's life, the experience in apartheid. Uh, right. So I think it's a good book and it's a short book so, and it's very enjoyable. So I definitely recommend reading it. Now, there, there's a few interesting things. So Trevor, you know, um, the thing is, so within Trevor spoke a lot of languages and that really helped him. So usually mm-hmm. you have people speaking one, two languages, like the ethnic language, one more perhaps. English. English, yeah. <laughs> but because he lived in these townships or whatever, he he always made it a point to learn all these languages. And that sort of helped him mingle with everyone, even with the color of his skin being... Because he wasn't really black and he wasn't really white. And because yeah. he lived in black townships, he, he wasn't really colored as well. So he didn't really fit in anywhere. And that's sort of like... A recurring theme whether it's at schools or you know, whether it's teams whether it's anything else that's sort of a recurring theme like he never truly fit in but because of his language acquisition he could always sort of mingle and work with everybody uh so that's sort of like the paradox of his life now yeah. there, there's a couple of interesting stories that i really wanted to recount in this uh, and one of them is that you know it's surprising, but this is the case in a lot of places that when a, when colonizers were there, there's that they sort of you know divide and conquer, so they create these animosities between the people living there. Yeah. For example, now Trevor's mother is a like Kosa, like Kosa woman, right? Like that's the that? ethnicity. Like it's just oh, an okay. ethnicity, right? Uh, right? But so in in South Africa, there have stereotypes with no obviously evidence of that being true. But one of the stereotypes is that coastal women are like promiscuous and unfaithful, yeah. while Zulu women are like well-behaved and dutiful. And there's no truth to this, right? It's just the trope. And uh, so the story is that Trevor and his mother was a devout Christian woman. And on Sundays, her and Trevor would take their beat down car or take minivans uh, from one church to another to another. So they went to three different churches and uh, you know, Trevor's mother was sort of like, the more blessings we get, the more we can cash them in later, that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, that's basically his life. And he'd always argue with his mother. For example, if the car breaks down, he would say, mother, baby, Jesus doesn't want to go. That's why you broke the car. And his mother's yeah. like, no. Like, you know, there's always that back and forth, right? right. Um, and that's sort of how it went. So one time, Trevor's like, yo, the car's broken down. 
we shouldn't go it's terrible you know we'll never get there in time but the mother insists they go they get to the end of the place and the last one the, the church is sort of in like in a white neighborhood or close to it and anyways that late in the evening there are not enough minivans going back to where they come from and uh, so they're, they've been waiting for a long while on this corner for a minivan to come and it doesn't and trevor's like well i told you so on and so forth and then a car comes up and uh, trevor's mother's like okay you know we'll pay you could you take us this far ahead and he says sure get in the car as soon as they get in the car and they go a little forward you know a minivan guy comes up the driver he takes out this big weapon sort of like this club type thing like a zulu weapon okay and he's like yo are you taking my customers because they're sort of like mini mafias there you know these miniman groups right uh, because there's no public transportation obviously set up for blacks you know so uh, trevor's mother gets out she's like no he was just helping us you know there wasn't any monetary exchange involved anything of that sort we'll go with you brother and then he's like all right like i'll let this dude go and they sit in the miniman and the guy's constantly berating her like oh she he obviously noticed that trevor's a colored child the stereotype of coastal women being promiscuous and he's like oh no wonder you're out at night in a random person's car you got a colored child and trevor's mother doesn't take shit from anybody you right. can tell that this is a person that went against the system like was willing to go against the system like she has a colored child she does not take shit from anybody so she goes back like back and forth with this guy she just does not stop and then the guy says all right i'm gonna show you like i'm gonna teach you a lesson right and now the situation's completely flipped right so he's not taking them to where they need to go and he's just going through the traffic lights and trevor doesn't realize i think he's six or eight at the time and trevor has another younger brother as well who's basically a baby at this point and trevor mother starts pleading with the guy and she says yo i'm sorry you know like don't worry about it and he's like no no i'm gonna teach you a lesson that sort of stuff and uh well, they get when well, they get to a point where she he slows down near a traffic light because he always slows down before speeding up you know doesn't want to crash while he's out here getting vengeance or whatever else. And right. they, they get close to that. And she throws Trevor. She opens the door. She throws Trevor out of a moving car. And he tumbles. And she jumps in with the baby cradled in her arms and jumps as well. And they, Trevor's half asleep. And he tumbles and tumbles. And he's like, what just happened? Why did you throw me out of a car, right? And he doesn't realize the whole situation and everything's that happened. And his mother's like, run. That's it, right? And Trevor's right. like, okay, I don't know anything, but I'm running. And sh the two of them just ran. And he says that all those years of her chasing him in the streets made them like the fastest mother-son duo. And they managed to like run away from that guy. But, you know, like the, the story, what he's trying to say is that, you know, like in the movies, for example, people tumble out of cars and they're perfectly fine. He's like, it's not like that. It, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And at the same time, like, you know, this is a woman who's trying to go to church with her child. And on the way back, she has to deal with, you know, potential rapists or like ethnic violence, that sort of stuff. Uh, but she doesn't give in. And like the next time she's back at churches, right? So that's sort of his story, always sort of running away from the fear of like, you know, ethnic violence, the fear of, you know, you know, white supremacy, like sort of the oppression of blacks. And at the same time, it's intermixed with his relationship with his mother, who was very, very courageous and sort of led the way, uh, mm. paved the way for him and herself. Uh, so uh, it was just sort of like funny, just flinging out a six year old, but also not funny because you're saving him from potential worse things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is very interesting. Um, kind of, I, I guess when people look at Trevor Noah, they don't really, you know, they would you would think, ah, uh, he just came from South Africa, and uh, yeah. yeah, I, I guess he is in a way a, a living embodiment of uh, proof, living embodiment that you know, a, a product of 
what is supposed to be wrong is not wrong and you know you can be more successful than you know probably everybody who was in charge in, of the government when he was being oppressed right yeah absolutely and it also like just like you said i did i did i, I mean i i had a sense that you know he didn't he wasn't very well off simply because he came as a colored person coming from south africa right uh, during the apartheid movement but i did not know the poverty he lived in like his his mother sort of like if it was for his mother he'd have a much worse life like she managed to get a job as a typist right when you know the government is giving some sort of concessions before you couldn't even be a typist as a black person right yeah but then she got a better paying job and that really helped and there's more to the story because strever's original father is originally in the picture but then no mm -hmm. longer in the picture and trevor has a stepfather who's very very abusive towards him and his mother and that ends terribly and i don't want to say how it ended uh but uh, you know that's something in the book that you could find out and you know add that to the mix of already the oppression and everything else and i'm like okay this is this is what sort of created yeah. this guy right and it's it's nice to know the context behind where he comes from but oh. he's also very very enterprising he's a very entrepreneurial kid right and uh, here's here's a really funny story right so there, there's two stories that show sort of his entrepreneurial skills one is uh, i don't know if this is the case in iraq or turkey but in Pakistan, in some places, this is the case as well. So schools have like these sort of like little shops. And during yeah. recess, like during lunch break, you go to the shop and you purchase your item. And yeah, you yeah. eat it and you relax, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's the same in South Africa where he went. Uh, but And he would like run to the shop. And the shop has a certain ass assortment. So it only has like, let's say, 12 pizza slices or like 13 chicken patties or whatever else, right? What? You guys got those things, man? Yeah, dude, like where do you live? <laughs> Iraq? Okay, I'm sure there's some goat milk or something. Milk? Okay, I'm sure there's filtered water at least. Uh, yeah, yeah there, there was water, there was water. No, okay, it so was mostly just like really bad uh, chips and chocolate and like... No, man, we all said pizza slices, but you know... It's not for every day. By the way, uh, yeah. I, I I did not have we did not have pizza when I was growing up, like anywhere in Iraq. So uh, my mother had to find uh, like a pizza recipe from somewhere. I don't know where she found it from. Uh, and, and you know, she used to make pizza at home. It was like the most fascinating thing ever, because simply because there was no pizza <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was like the best days. I was like, oh look, I'm having the stuff in the movies, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's Trevor Noah's also when McDonald's and KFC comes to when McDonald's came to South Africa. That was also that's basically yeah. What I can relate to that. I I, yeah. I think I think recently McDonald's came to Iraq, but I still haven't went. I remember when KFC came. Uh, yeah, that's but, fair. Uh, it's always no a Burger moment King. of joy. No Burger King. And um, yeah, it's same here because Hardee's was like I remember being old when Hardee's came and people were like Hardee's. I didn't know what Hardee's was at the time. And yeah, right. same. Anyways. So, so basically, so I guess it comes from always running away from his mother, who used to, you know, you know, she really believed in spare the rod and spoil the child bit. So you can understand why he's always running away. So he runs and he gets to the front of the line, and if there are only spare five the people, rod. you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you don't hit the child, he's gonna get spoiled. Yeah, I know, but that's hilarious. So spare, spare the rod. So then. He gets to the front of the line, and then kids are like, you know what, um, could you buy this for me? And eventually he becomes the distributor. So he buys, he gets to the front of the line, he buys people things, he takes a little commission. And this is what I think when he's in middle school, and he starts showing these entrepreneurial skills then. Mm. But later on is when it gets really good. So he uh, he had the CD 
piracy and distribution business, right? He'd download songs and he'd share them and someone gave him a CD writer and that's when it really kicked up. So he had one of those DSL modems like back in the old days, like... Yeah, dial-up Dial-up, yeah, dial-up connections, right? Yeah. So he had those, but he would still he would still download these songs and he would hand out CDs to people, right? And especially when a friend of his gave him a CD writer, he was golden, right? And he started making good, good money, okay? Like about as good as it gets, to be honest. But like he started making good money. And this is where it gets really... Um, it's funny, but uh, let me know. I don't want to spoil it. Okay, so you get these CD writers, and basically over there they have these parties, and the parties work sort of like this: like people bring alcohol to the party, and you basically set up a stereo system in the middle of the township, and then you start blaring the music, starting ramping it up, DJing, and everyone comes and enjoys it. And uh, they started becoming really famous like this. But they they had an issue. The issue was this: that because he had access to the internet and to download new songs the problem was that sometimes he download the latest songs but because they weren't in people's ears yet you know mm-hmm. people didn't know how to dance to that because they don't know the dance moves like how do you dance to like uh let's say what was that south korean song that became like gangnam style yeah 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 and like what's the dance style to that people don't know right so <clears throat> that's a, a very strange problem to have man i must say <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the lighter things they faced. So Yeah, um, I swear to God, what the hell, man? I expected, like, uh, intense but, racial segregation. They're like, yeah, man, you know, we couldn't dance to this. Uh. Yeah, but it, it gets there. <laughs> it gets there, right? So oh, so okay. they had a friend. Now, the friend's name was Hitler. Okay? His name was Hitler? His name was Hitler. Like, now, actually? At, actually, his name was Hitler. And the reason is because in South Africa, I mean, they had so many troubles of their own. And they're so segregated that they don't really know what World War II and the rest is. All they knew was world, whoever this Hitler guy in Germany was so bad that they had to actually take in army men from the blacks to fight him. And the way they thought was, I mean, this may be it. That's not necessarily their thought. I'm not making a generalization. But I, but like, it, it's sort of like, oh, the white man has to ask us to help to defeat this guy. Guess he must be a pretty strong guy. So they were... And Trevor says, like, you know, people don't really think that much. They name their kids whatever a famous person name is. They don't really know the context behind it. Because, yeah. you know, whatever Hitler was doing, I mean, they had pretty shit lives too. So they don't yeah. really have yeah. to think about that. So there are people named Hitler. There are people named Mussolini <laughs> as well in uh, South Africa. Yeah. Now, and and that's not even the punchline. So, so, <laughs> so they bring Hitler and he's a real smooth dancer, right? Whatever the song, this guy can come up ways to dissect that song, dance it away. And like these guys are making big money now and they're becoming a household name as much as one could be. And they start getting gigs and whatever else. So one time, uh, Trevor goes to a nice school um, and one of the ladies there is like, all right, we're going to have a small event. Could you guys come there and do your business? And they're like, sure. So they pick their steering systems, they pick everything else, and they book a minivan and they go to this school. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of nice parents and stuff. They're mostly whites, but there are lots of nice parents and kids, and it's a nice party. And uh, before I tell you that, there should be one more thing. So whenever Hitler would come to the scene, right, mm-hmm. they yeah, would be raising, does. as he does, they would be raising his their fists and their arms in the sky up and down and be like, go Hitler, go Hitler. You know, sort of like pumping it up and hyping up the dance man who's going to hype up and build the whole party, right? Yeah. And they would encircle him. They'd be like, go Hitler, and he would be doing his sick dance moves. Oh, yeah. Now, now they go to this school, right? And they start playing music, and the DJ 
DJ being Trevor, pumping it up, people are enjoying themselves, the party's here. And then he's like, are you ready? Are you ready? And it's really pumping it up, right? And then they're like, are you ready for Hitler? Okay. And then Hitler comes out and he's doing sick dance moves. And these people are like, go Hitler, go Hitler, go Hitler. And they're obviously hyping it up, right? He's the hype man. And uh, no. there's silence in the hall, okay? It was a Jewish bar mitzvah, okay? Bar mitzvah. And... Uh, yeah and uh, they then these guys didn't know the significance of hitler and his relation to the jewish people right and they didn't know that these guys don't know that so for all they knew this was done on purpose and they're it's a bar mitzvah and these people are on stage and they're glorifying hitler uh, but just the wrong one i mean like, honestly one, man i just i just blame the goddamn parents what the hell were they thinking when they named their kid Hitler, or the one yeah. that invited these kids? No, freaking named their kid Hitler. <laughs> it's not like that. The internet, they're like, oh, that's an interesting name. Oh, <laughs> dude, it was a world world war, man. Like, you know. but even then, you know, the world war. Like, for example, the only reason the subcontinent was involved, or that people were taken from Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Thailand, and the like, was because I mean, the British needed more manpower, so they took us. They took us and made us fight in their war, and then we were part of the war. And hence it's a world war you know it was mostly europe okay, yeah but like you know, so out, out, out of spite of churchill you would name your kid hitler and be like yeah bastard maybe maybe secretly that's what they did and this is the story you, you we've know, been told this this um this reminds me of a joke in world yeah. war ii it's like a real joke I, i'm really into like old jokes because they're just hilarious anyway so it's like uh so a man walks into the records office and asks to change his name. Right. And the clerk is not really, you know, he's not really happy on helping people like such things. But he's like, all right, you know, he's little, he's like, what's your name? What's your name? He's like, uh, my name is uh, Adolf Stinkfoot. Okay. And the clerk's like, ah, oh, God, you know, Jesus, his name is. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you change your name. He's like, all right, what do you want to change your name into? And uh, the man says. Uh, Maurice Stinkfoot. Yo, you name? Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't love it. Yeah, like I, I get that he changed the Adolf part and not the Stinkfoot part, but like uh, another one. I'm sorry, dude. I feel bad now. Why do you feel bad? Because <laughs> <laughs> it felt. So on such a silent note. Oh yeah, yeah that's why. That's why I love those uh, old jokes. Well, there's a certain charm to it. Oh yeah, I can yeah. say. <laughs> right. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the Hitler bit. So then, yeah. obviously, the lady who booked them is like, you know, that's terrible. And then she says, "You people," and uh, and Trevor thinks it's about and these guys think it's about because they're colored and black so then they're like this is a free nation now we can do whatever we want yeah and it turns into that and they don't realize and then they pick up their equipment and they keep saying go hitler go hitler on their way out and i think you know like you know, that also shows sort of like it's just sort of contextualizing the setup you know they're vastly different people in south africa and uh, they have different experiences you know to the degree that a world war occurred and these guys don't know the cons you know, the effect of Hitler and the Jewish people, that sort of thing. And it's primarily because, you know, they've lived a terrible life on their own. And that's really what he does. Like, he tells all these stories, and it, all of it, you can see it's contextualized very heavily yeah. in the location they're in and the time period they're in and how it's affected it. But, so but like yeah, him, I find yeah. it really strange that the, that the picture you painted, I mean, obviously, this is a, yeah. a government that... Per as you said deliberately and did, you know done their research about 
racial segregation and institutionalized mm-hmm. racism and all that. Uh, you know, to the point of dividing the races into slums, right? Like, yeah, all black live in their slum and etc. Mm-hmm. And yet, they got like, I don't know, like dance parties and and you know, he's downloading stuff on LimeWire, I guess, and you know, burning it on CDs and selling it and making money. Uh, it's yeah, very it's just... strange. It's like a very strange mix. It's it's heavily oppressed and obviously horrible. At the same time, technologi- technologically, it sounds okay. I don't know it's why. Also... That's it's very strange. No, but part of it, it it's, it's different. So, like the picture I'm painting, maybe it's not an accurate representation because, for uh, example... No, no, I, I'm not saying it's party... I'm just saying uh, it's, it's yeah. strange because, I mean, I, I was... I mean... It wasn't that bad when I was growing up. Like uh, yeah. my parents' generation was worse because of the Iraq Iran war and all that, like Saddam Hussein stuff. But when yeah. when Saddam Hussein got captured, I was very young. I remember it, but I was very young. And uh like, we didn't have these like internet was not very common, even dial up. And it's yeah. strange. And yet it, there was no racial segregation or anything like that. But I think it's specific because maybe uh, so so the party that they got gig they got a gig at, right? This Jewish place. Yeah. Now that was by that time, as I understand, apartheid had ended. Oh, it had so ended. It had ended. So because so he was born during the apartheid, but somewhere in his late teens, I think, or mid teens, the hmm. apartheid ended, and so this was less of an issue. I mean, it was still there, and it is to this day, but not to like the government actively, you know, overtly right. doing yeah. it. Now it's sort of like in the background, but it's still occurred to a certain degree of course i mean look at the united states the you know yeah exactly so there you go so part of it is that and part of it is also like i i forget how he gets the computer but like so he's an anomaly you know there's not many people who would have that he's one of them and the cd writer was given by a friend so again it's like not everyone had access to it Hmm. yeah he was one of the few that did so that's sort of like how it worked out but um but that's really how it goes. And it just, it shows how like, like also Trevor uses this thing and he says, you know, the old adage where they're like, um, give a man a fish and he's like, give, you know, it's better to give, like teach a man how to fish rather than just give him a fish. And he says that one important thing is someone would also give him a fishing rod. Yeah. Because yeah. that's really the tool he needs. And he's like, you know, people say, oh, that's just a handout. But he says, well, if I hadn't been given that CD writer, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And if you think about it, like, you know, a single mother, more or less, because single in some parts, but then she has a, she has another husband, but who is abusive, right? So you, in the general sense, if you just take that, you know, poverty, abusive husband slash father, whatever else, you know, that's tough on its own. But then you add the system of oppression and then it's just a really tough childhood. And I think if it wasn't for his mother, who was a very, very strong role and who proved to be a very very strong role model and who sort of like paved the way for the entire family you know it would have been much tougher for him and he might not have gotten as far ahead as he did yeah and uh, so it just shows like you know that life's already so tough for so many people and there's just no place for racist ideologies to add that to the mix and that's basically trevor's entire story right so beginning to end everything that he does so for example in the beginning when he's born and he's a child and his mother and father take him to the park, his father being a Swiss German, he, they don't, like the father can't hold the hand of the child and they have to walk at a distance because if this child is seen next to the mother and father, it's a crime because they realize, oh, that Swiss German with that coastal woman had this colored child, time to put the three of them in jail. Probably not the white man, probably just reprimand him and be like, uh, control yourself, you white. 
but for the others it would be jail for life or something else along those lines right so he couldn't necessarily be close to his father in public and they'd always sit far apart like social distancing at parks and things of that sort growing from that to like the townships that he lived in and mm. the way his mother had to fight through things and how he sort of developed and finally got out of that place and like like the hitler story so throughout he gives this chronological sort of setup on how he grew up but everything is so heavily affected by uh the apartheid regime and you can see that interlaying into every facet of his life and that's really what the book's about and uh, i think it's quite a nice book both if you like the comedian it's nice to go it's nice to understand where he comes from it's nice to sort of also at the same time have a lived experience of someone during apartheid especially as a colored person who'd never really fit in either side the whites or the blacks and uh like you said he was born a crime and that's really what the story is about uh, so i quite liked it uh and i would recommend reading all of it because there is something interesting that happens nearing the end of the book that i don't want to give away he becomes a famous comedian <laughs> that, that one we know but it's also yeah. like the abusive father goes on a rampage that's the beginning no. of that story yeah. Oh, yeah but the end of the story is for you to find out once you read the book no god really selling this huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's almost like you're getting paid for this me who knows man. it's a story that needs to be told that's what I feel. hey man if you're getting paid i'm not getting anything god damn it moby you gotta tell me the truth <laughs> I, i'm getting no kickbacks from this my only the only reason i'm selling it is well he writes reasonably well and it's it's an easy read. I think it's a story that needs to be told and to be read. And that's really why I'm awesome. pushing this. How, yeah. What would you rate it out of, uh, out of 10? I'd rate it an 8. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. That's it's a good book. Yeah. Good. It's a, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, honestly fascinating how much of, you know, role models influence can have on, on a person's life. I mean, if, if it's a mother or a teacher or whatever. You know, even if you're born into like the worst conditions, someone to just kind of steer you into a better path is fascinating because it's like a one against the entire world, you know? Yeah, that's basically what it was. The two of them and against the world. Yeah. So don't have kids if you're like a dick. But she wanted a child. So, I mean, I know we're ending this, but basically when she met that Swiss German, right? I leave out parts of the story because I'd rather people read it themselves. But basically when she met the Swiss German, they'd been going out. And being together for a while, she said, I want a child mm -hmm. from you. And you don't have to take any responsibility as the father. Hmm. And then she ended up having a child. It wow, was what a lucky like, man. <laughs> I mean, I think later on he wanted to be a part of it. Or I'm not really sure. I, I'm forgetting a little. But basically, that's how the mother was. Like, she managed to live in the white area by mm -hmm. taking, like, made clothes and the like. And renting a house in, like, let's say a sympathetic colored person landlord's apartment right. yeah. so she'd like pretend to wear the like she got around what she needed to get around if she's like i'm gonna live in that area she lived in that area yeah i'm gonna have a child she had the child right you know i'm gonna be a typist like she did what she wanted to do and i think that also gets imbued in trevor and his aspirations so yeah that's basically what it is i like it i recommend it and awesome. eight out of ten yeah awesome so that's it yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about um, a medieval, uh, a time traveler's guide to medieval England, which is not actually about time travel, but it's just about life in medieval England in the uh, 15th century.
You you it's, really know how to pick the best books, huh? It is what it is, man. All right, uh, let's see, man. I can't all wait. Right. Thanks, uh, thanks everybody for tuning. Okay, that's a wrap. Yeah, that's a wrap. Have a good day. Okay, cool.